This is Britta, and welcome to Model Jeans Podcast. This podcast is to introduce you to working models from around the world. From great laughs to tears of horror, our models will discuss their journey and what makes their workday in the modeling industry. This following podcast is brought to you by Model Genealogy. It's an informational platform that provides skills for aspiring models to succeed. You can take the test and find out what type of model you are, and they'll guide you on the path that is right for you in the modeling industry. Models will learn everything from how to get an agent and what to do once you get one, what type of pictures are right for you, what the client's expectations are, how to take care of yourself as a model, and what to expect if you want to work in other markets, plus much more. This is Britta with Model Jeans Podcast, and we're here today with Sloane Schmitz. Hi, Sloane. Hi, Britta. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. Good. I am. How are you to be on your podcast? Yes, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. We have so much to talk about, as always. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing new over here. (laughs) Nothing new between the both of us. Um. I wanted to start with things happen on set all the time, whether you're asked to do something that's like maybe not normal in the normal world or you have a fear of doing um, or uh, something just goes down that you weren't expecting and you're like, oh, shit. So... I wanted to kind of pull your brain on a couple things that have maybe happened to you while working on set um, that either you've been asked to do or that uh, it just happened without your permission um, that you can kind of share with the girls. Uh, Well, I had an eyebrow incident in Singapore (laughs) with another younger model. Um, She was about 15, 16 at the time, um, and this was last year. And a makeup artist was, you know, doing her job, doing her thing. And she decided that she wanted to fix both of our eyebrows up a little bit, which is nothing abnormal. Like usually um, a makeup artist, if they see, a, you know, wrangly hair on your eyebrow, they're going to pluck it. Um, but in this incident, she brought out a, a razor <laughs> and shaved the ends of our eyebrows. Um we didn't really know the extent of it. Did you know that it was happening at at the point and then you were like, what are you doing? Or did were you just like not in the know and you had your eyes closed the whole time? I had my eyes closed. Uh, so did the other model. She had worked on her face first and then she had done mine. Um, and then she was coloring in the eyebrows and took a little bit too much on on the ends and I guess I mean it's a trend now (laughs) so when did you actually find out we went back to the apartment I had just taken off my my makeup she had just taken off hers um and we both send each other (laughs) some pictures showing our beautiful newly shaved eyebrows yeah I'm sure it was a happy time too for your agents 
Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> did you um did you have your agents talk to the client about it or how did that proceed out? Um, I believe that they did talk to the client, but nothing progressed from it. And it was something that eyebrows do grow back. It happens. Um, it's not the end of the world, thankfully. Same with hair. If you have your hair cut too short, it'll grow back. <laughs> but um, that's why there's eyebrow pencils. True said. I mean, I know there are some people whose brows won't grow back um, fully. So I know that's also a really big fear for a lot of models of like, if you touch my brows, <laughs> what's going to happen after that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but thankfully, I still have my bushy brows. <laughs> so not lost cause. Did you have any problems with getting other jobs after that? Um, Not particularly, no, because it is something that can be filled in. Um, it's a much easier fix than if your hair is cut too short uh, and they don't have extensions or if you just got a bad haircut, which happens. It's happened to me more than once and I've I've called you crying about it. For like situations that you get into as a model, because you, you've gone to some markets, you've gone to um, to Germany as well, and uh, now you're based in LA. Um, were there any moments that, that were uncomfortable for you that um, you were like not sure about getting the shot and then and then actually going forward and doing it because you are a model, it's your job kind of thing. I think one time you were uh, on a beach and it was a cold day. Oh, uh, this was actually um, filming a little short, short film for myself. Um, I also act as well. So it's something where you oftentimes need reels uh, to put in that portfolio as well. Similar to modeling with modeling, you have your image portfolio film, you have your video portfolio. Uh, and a director had asked me to go in this extremely cold water. Uh, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> uh, but I also do what it takes to get the shot. Um, and I try to complain as little as possible because, you know, it's it's what they have in mind. It's the image that they have in their in their mind. And you want to be able to fill it to the best of your ability. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was swimming in a pretty cold, cold little pond area, <laughs> but it was fun. The team was amazing. That's amazing. I think uh, also when you're put into those situations and you're like, I don't want to do this. But then when you actually do it, you feel kind of accomplished after. Yeah, it feels like you really conquered, conquered it all, I guess, Um because in, in a way, you're getting over the little fears that oftentimes cloud your mind um, that can prohibit you from doing something that you might have really enjoyed to do or maybe regret not doing it. So I always try to put, my, put myself forward and experiment in that regard because usually it comes with cool stories afterwards and typically I'm not complaining after either. <laughs> Well, you got to have some good memories where you get to go, go back and just say, you remember that time when? 
Yeah, exactly. Let's go back to like your childhood. I, um, I want everyone to kind of get to know you a little bit. So let's talk about your, um, like where you grew up, um, who you grew up with, how your family life was, and yeah. like how you got into modeling. Okay. Um, so I am originally from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. So it's a pretty small town. Um, kind of in the middle of nowhere, depending on what portion of the town you live in. Uh, it's close to Madison, Milwaukee, Green Bay, Appleton. So driving and accessibility um, to different locations was awesome, as well as Chicago. So I am an only child. Uh, my parents are a bit older, so my dad's in about to turn 70, and my mom is in her 60s. And they got divorced when I was relatively young. So uh, they really emphasized, my mom in particular, that, you know, your friends are your family. So treat everyone in the way that you would want to be treated. Um, so that was really incredible for me because I think one of the biggest things that I've taken from the modeling industry is the friends that I've made. And continuing to maintain those relationships with them because I feel as if they are family to myself personally. Um, and as for how I was scouted, I was actually scouted on Instagram, which is really when the boom of Instagram kind of occurred. Um, and a lot of modeling agencies were using Instagram to scout scout girls um, rather than the run of the mill. I was scouted in a mall story. And how old were you? I was 16 at the time. So I was a little unsure of where my fit necessarily was in the industry. Um, I was a pole vaulter. So that was kind of my main focus was track and field and training for pole vaulting. Um, and not really being that girly girl image that I believed that that modeling was. Uh, do you feel like the pole vaulting helped your career in certain ways? I do. Um, you know, it really taught me how to be dedicated and have perseverance and not give up. Because with pole vaulting, you know, you can do great for a couple meets and then you go to your next meet and it's just a complete failure. Maybe you didn't make the mark that you wanted to make. Um, maybe your speed wasn't fast enough. You were just feeling kind of slow that day. Uh, but it's the fact that you can't give up on it. If it's something that you're passionate about, you believe in yourself about, um, it'll really show through with sports, athletics, modeling, clients, people. <laughs> so going back to when you were discovered on Instagram, uh, it, it was, you were discovered by an agency? I was. Um, it was a different mother agency um, who I am currently not with anymore. But everything for myself personally happens for a reason. And I know that's the most cliche quote ever. And how many people don't say that quote. But it really is true. Because if that hadn't have happened, I wouldn't be with you. And, um, well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but um, let's talk about the, the length of time from the time that, like, you started mm -hmm. first modeling. 
to like your first market? How long did it take? Um, what did you have to do to get to that market? Um, were there bumps in the road for you? Yeah, I mean, I think with any new venture that an individual chooses to decide on um, is, of course, going to have some some bumps along the road. But um, you use those as learning experiences and take them as something that you can build off of so that you don't make the mistakes in the future. Uh, it took me about a year and a half after that point because it was contemplation for me. Uh, and then I tore my labrum in my shoulder. And I was like, you know what? Let's let's give modeling a shot. <laughs> At the time, I also did pageants because I was accumulating scholarships for school. Um, so my first market that I went to was Los Angeles, like many. Uh, I put my, my toes in the water. Uh, <laughs> and I guess it, it was something that was a little cold at first. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Was anyone going to want to sign me? Um, did I fit in this industry? Did I not fit? Uh, and I did get offered a contract. And I had returned back to to the Midwest to um, continue school, to continue my education. Uh, and then after that point, uh, I was in Germany. <laughs> Germany is actually a really great market. Um, a lot of girls, it. yeah, love Germany. Um, do you want to talk to um, everyone about through your eyes, how you saw Germany and how you saw the clients and what it was like for you? Yeah. Um, so I don't know where to even begin with this. I loved it so much. Of course, there was some downfalls of it. Uh, it was my first market overseas and it was my first pretty big market in general. Um, Los Angeles is weird in the regard that they do have a lot of e-com Sometimes they have campaigns, it fluctuates depending on the trends because it's a very trendy market. Uh, but Germany was just so, it was beautiful. Um, the clients were visionaries. Um, the creativity was impeccable. Um, it makes me want to go back. It really, really does. Every 4 a.m. train to Berlin from Hamburg was, you know, something that I will never take for granted. Uh, I'm not a morning person at all, but I loved it. So basically, you're staying in what city? In Berlin? I was in Hamburg. Um, yeah. So, the agencies. Berlin? Berlin for work. Yeah. Um, so you would usually catch the early the early train um, down to Berlin, depending on what time your shoot was. Uh, what time is it usually? Around eight nine a.m. So you would take the the super early one, depending on if it started, you know, early morning shoot or um, like early afternoon shoot. But it was a. Oh, I have such fond memories of Germany and the market there is also cool in the regard that for me personally with my agency, they had paired me with um, a host family 
instead of a model's apartment where there was a bunch of girls. And I ended up getting really close with my host and she had a son. And so she would talk to me every night. She had a desk in my room so that I could study because all during all of my travel experience, I was doing online college. Um, and yeah, I had this little desk. We would just talk for hours and hours um, and I would help her with her English and she would help me with my German, which let me tell you was terrible. <laughs> I used to get shit for it all the time. <laughs> um, but she would even ask me if I was comfortable with the next person that was going to be in the room next to me. So she wanted it to to feel like a very safe environment for me, um, especially because we did dive into my backstory being from from a small town in Wisconsin and the transition of now going to different countries, bigger cities. Um, <laughs> that's kind of funny. What was the season that you were there? Like, uh, was it like a spring or summer? I was there spring, spring and early summer. Was there anything culturally that you that stood out to you about the German culture? Um, or like festivals during that time? Uh, they're very strict. <laughs> uh, you do not want to, quite frankly, piss off your management there because uh, they're very punctual with time. They're very punctual with if you say you're going to do something, you should probably do it. Uh, this was nothing abnormal from my family as I'm very German. <laughs> And my parents are very much, uh, if you say you're going to do it, you better do it. <laughs> or there will be hell to raise. So basically just like home. Precisely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so not too much of a change. Um, and my management, I got really close with them. So all of the teams that I was working with um, and my management, I would hang out with them <laughs> because I was quite lonely at points. Uh, and that is something that you face with every new market and especially in an isolated area where you aren't living with other models. Uh, it can be sometimes difficult to navigate, but my management was really, really on my side and they introduced me to another girl that felt the same way as myself. Um, and she is still a really close and dear friend of mine. And she's from the Netherlands. She's Dutch. Um, and she's my Dutch little sweetheart. So we were hanging out all the time. Um, and it was just really lovely. We would go and try all of the different chocolates and try the cultural different food from even her, her small town in the Netherlands, which please do not ask me how to say it. If she ever hears this, she will be laughing for hours because I slaughter the name of her town. After all those years of practicing, right? Uh, still no improvement. <laughs> <laughs> My specialty is American Sign Language. I'm uh, not, not very great at other <laughs> languages. You just have to get one of those like Google translators and uh, put it on your phone and then just like push the button. Mm -hmm. I used to have an app on my phone when I was in Germany to teach myself German uh, better than, you know, I could speak it, but it wasn't, didn't work out so well for me because 
still wasn't great. I could understand simple sentences and questions, but other than that, not very good. Was there anything that um, you were like, I have to bring this with me whenever you travel? Like, do you have something that's like a must have? Yes, I always have to bring a calendar, like a actual calendar, not just relying on technology and a notebook. Uh, I like to jot down ideas and thoughts that I have. Um, I also think at like 100 miles per minute. So sometimes it helps just reorganize my thoughts and my thought process, um, as well as having an actual calendar that you can hold. It makes a world of difference, especially when you're going to a foreign country. Is this a day calendar, week calendar, month calendar, a bullet journal? Oh, I have this just big, big journal that has not only the whole month, but each day you can write in and put specifically like what you plan on doing and then the to-do list, um, as well as um, cause I buy the new yearly calendars as well as like the time differences so that it can be quick and convenient if you needed to take a, a call for, let's say Milan, um, that you know exactly what time they're on and not relying just on your phone. Is it particularly like, uh, a certain brand of a calendar that you usually buy, or is it just any random one that you find that you fall in love with for the year? Yeah, I just kind of go with whatever I feel like. It's one of those things that I don't have a brand that I'm set on that I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to buy this calendar and the launch is tomorrow. Um, it's just kind of whatever whatever works. Um, sometimes I'll paint it up a little bit, make it look, you know, cutesy. <laughs> but I have uh, my highlights. I have my pens. Yeah, a little bit of doodling. Yeah. Um, I've gotten into bullet journals uh, last year. I was really into it. Um, and some of the other models have also been into it. And they will take pictures and they'll take it with them and they'll travel with it. And they'll add, yeah, yeah anything they, they can. So it's like almost like a memory book, but it's also their calendar and, yeah, yeah thought journals. So those are great to have. Um and um yeah i think it just depends on your preference um usually i try to find one that can fit in a, the same size bag as what i would put my portfolio in um whether that be a literal paper to paper portfolio um the old school you open it up and show it to clients or the new <laughs> the new ipads um depending on what the market prefers some don't have a preference, some do. It just kind of depends. You just go with the flow. Go with the flow. That's like a motto for models. Go with the flow. <laughs> um, as exciting as Germany was, um, a lot of models, whether it's usually within like their first or second market, they have, and usually it's always the first market, there's yeah. always a breakdown situation that happens. Did you have anything like that happen to you? Yeah, I had more than one, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but my booker was really great at helping me get it under control. So we would oftentimes 
grab coffee somewhere and just talk it through and talk about what's going on. For example, if I was nervous about a measurement, uh, let's say that my waist was a 25 and it was supposed to be a 24, we would meet for coffee and talk about productive ways how to improve that rather than just ridicule or um, being put down for something that could be just the fluctuation of travel. Did you feel like that helped sitting down with your booker and just like being able to talk openly? Yeah, it really did because he would really hear me out. Um, and also a thing that you'll learn about most markets is everyone's English is pretty good. So if you don't understand their language all that well, they're oftentimes more willing to help you not only understand their language, but make sure that they're speaking in the correct mannerism in English so that they're not offending you. And if you feel as if you're offended, just express kindly, say, hey, did you mean to say this? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm speaking in this regard, not that way, um, which was really nice uh, because language is a thing that divides most nations and most markets that models will travel to. Um, but just making sure that they're expressing their thoughts productively, you're expressing your thoughts, um, and just having that openness and honesty uh, really helps. Is, is there anything that you can give advice for, for parents whose mm -hmm. kids are flying out internationally, maybe for their first market, um, of like how to support their daughters and sons? Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I took away, actually, it was from my grandma, is, um, and she always said this, if the opportunity is there and it presents itself, take that opportunity while you can, or that opportunity may never present itself again. And I think it's a fond philosophy for a lot of parents um, to follow because most oftentimes parents of, of models have not personally modeled themselves. So it's hard to comprehend and understand this bizarre and chaotic industry. Um, and just being there and supporting and asking questions and calmly explaining the answers to them without getting upset, which was one of my biggest barriers to overcome because sometimes I would have to tell my mom, for example, something 10 times and re-explain it and re-explain it. And it would get so frustrating because she's like, well, you just booked a job yesterday. Why didn't you have one today? And I'm like, well, because the client just went in a different direction. There's not really a reason why they went in a different direction. It could be that, you know, they wanted the clothes to look super tight on the girl and they were a little bit too baggy on me or it could be that they wanted someone with very olive skin and I am extremely pale <laughs> so it's there's things that you can't change correct it's the genetic lottery <laughs> I like that it's a it's the genetic lottery really uh, you want to explain to uh the sparing models what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, the genetic lottery is just, it's the idea that there is things that we all want to change about ourselves, but 
what we're given is what makes us unique and it's what makes us beautiful and it's what makes us who we are. Um, modeling is not something that you can just, you know, wake up one morning and be like, you know, I'm going to be a model. Although that would be awesome. And although I would love for clients to respond in that mannerism and be like, yeah, Sloan, you want to be a model? We're going to book you for everything. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but what world is that? <laughs> we can't change that. Every timing is perfect. Your parents had you at the perfect time. They created the perfect specimen. You are who you are. And the uniqueness about each each person is winning that lottery. It's what makes you you. So what do you do then when you get overwhelmed? Like when you're getting like too many no's and you're just not getting the um, the stuff that you want uh, in modeling and you're having to like still develop or keep working on your book or keep going to castings for that yes. What hap- Like what do you do to like get yourself under control from being oh, so overwhelmed with that? Yeah. Um, well, first off, with your book, never stop growing your book. Never stop. Don't give up. It's always practice. Even if, you know, your management doesn't like the image, the images that were taken, um, even if they're not going to be used for anything, it's still practice. And it's something that you can learn and grow from. And same with castings. You may tend hundreds and hundreds of castings and get a hundred no's, but one yes, it's still practice and it's still learning. But for myself, um, I am such a learner that I constantly need stimuli when it comes to learning. So when I'm super stressed out about something, um, if for example, I'm at a casting with a hundred other girls and we're all waiting in line to go to the same exact casting, I will usually just research fun facts or read a book on my phone. Um, and usually I carry books with me as well. It helps calm me down. Uh, and it helps get your mind out of whatever else is going on in your phone. Uh, especially text messages that can sometimes cloud your mind. You receive something that's not desirable, but your main focus is just attending the casting, learning what you can learn from it, uh, show your personality to the best of your ability and who you are. Um, what are some of your favorite books? Do you have like a couple favorite books you can share with us? Yeah, so I like autobiographies quite a bit. So I have a book on Marilyn Monroe, um, Audrey Hepburn. I also do a lot of motivational books. Um, which I could list for hours and hours. I also read a lot of screenplays, oddly enough, um, just because I like the the structure of it and the visualization and being in that world within a world um, because that world has already been created. Like Casablanca, I've read probably 10 times by now because it is the perfect script. <laughs> That's one way to, like, uh, get your mind off stuff, too. Yeah, no, I find it really useful. Or I'm, you know, maybe watching Pawn Stars. <laughs> I know, it's nerdy. It's so nerdy. 
<laughs> Something that's not related to modeling. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the bit of it. I like the, you know, intensity. <laughs> <laughs> I I would like I would like to, to bid on that and see what I would get. That would be fun. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> um I I wanted to ask you about obviously I you've ran into so many other girls that have modeled. Mm-hmm. Um and I believe in in Singapore you had a really good relationship with all the girls in your model house. Oh. Was was yeah. there was there I mean and now like there's younger girls and guys looking up to you for advice. Um did you have uh like a a big sister moment at all? where uh, she gave you advice and what was that? Um, So for myself, I never really had a big sister, which is why it is important for me to build those relationships with the younger girls because I would like to embark some kind of, you know, advice that I have for them because I never had it for myself. I learned the good and the bad and the everything in between. Um, And yeah, it's really important for me to communicate and speak with the younger girls and make sure that they are making the right decisions because when you are leaving home at a young age, some of these girls are 16, some are 15, some are freshly turned 18. That's still so new to to this whole world, to the different experiences and making sure that you're making the right choices. Um, The Singapore apartment, it was lovely. Um, We all became kind of like a family away from our family. Um, I've never had a relationship with so many girls and we had one guy in our apartment. Um, His name was Tiago and he was hilarious. (laughs) He was our spiritual spiritual one in our little apartment but it really was family you would walk in and you would see all of our shoes gathered along the side of the hall in the entranceway and you walk in and you go to the living room and there was two couches um on both sides of the wall and then diagonally was the kitchen and then right in front of it was the windows so we had this window that overlooked this little courtyard um and a pool And usually every time you would come home, either from a casting, maybe you went to the gym, maybe you were just walking around, which usually we did all of that stuff together because we were really close. But if we had a casting where um, one of us was on a different section of town than the other, we would come back and be greeted by smiling faces every time. And uh, we had one girl that was very artsy, so we had an overabundance of comp cards. The agency ordered way too many. It, it was not physically possible for you to use up all of the comp cards. Um, and we made this comp card heart of all of our pictures um, and put it on the wall. And it was really cool. So if you weren't greeted by the smiling faces, which was highly unlikely that you wouldn't be, but if you were not, you'd be greeted by this just charming little little collection of hearts <laughs> on the wall. And then we would always give each other notes. Um, and when each one of us would leave, we would leave the others with notes um, on our comp card, just like, 
thanking them and saying like the characteristics you loved about them. And it was just a very warm and welcoming environment. Yeah, I think that's a solid model house, which there are many times that a lot of girls don't find in markets. I've had that too. I've had that, but um, yeah, it was just, it was lovely. Um, for the, the one guy that was in the model house, that's also yeah. usually not normal. Uh, usually they're separated model houses. Uh, was that, were there any issues in the house with having a boy in the house? No, not at all. He was extremely respectful. Um, there was a male model apartment, but there was too many people in it. Um, so he just ended up coming to ours. None of us had issues with it. Uh, like I said, he was extremely respectful and like would always make sure everything was okay. Um, he never intruded on any of us. It was not a weird or uncomfortable situation in the slightest, although it does sound weird. Like, oh, why was there a, a male model in the apartment? No, it wasn't like that. We were all really close with him and it really was our family. Um, but of course we did have one girl that was a little not great, but we all worked together as a team to resolve the issue. When you say not great, what, um, what were some of the issues? Can we talk well, about that? <laughs> I don't know. Can we talk about that? <laughs> um, I think that a temptation of modeling is to go out and party and to drink. Um, it's not uncommon. Everyone does it. It's not some weird social thing, but particularly in this industry, um, models do have accessibility to have access to going out more and partying more. Um, so she kind of took too much advantage of that, um, which led to uncomfortable situations for all of us to have to clean up her mess after she returned home from a night of a little bit too much fun, I would say. Um, but it's just about the responsibility of it. Um, of course, because it's part of the industry, People do go out, they do go enjoy themselves, and I'm not saying not to. Um, you should be able to live your life freely, but do it responsibly. Yeah, and I think, did you notice um, for her how her career was going with all of the partying that she was doing? Yeah, um, so you know that math diagram? So when we look at the charts where you're going up, and you're going up and you're going up and just like a recession it went downhill very quickly um and reached the bottom and she left pretty quickly after that and i say i say that because there's so many girls that think like i'm a model and then they go out and they they get into a lot of too much fun uh yeah and they forget about that they're actually there for their career and Correct. Yeah, they lose their career. A job. Um, and the thing is, is like, you know, we have all of the uh, these other jobs as well um, that you would never do that. So, for example, if you were to go on a business trip to Singapore, we're going to use that for example. Um, again, I, it's highly unlikely that if you have meetings the next day at 8 a.m., that if you were really serious about your business, you would be 
taking the the night to yourself and either reading or meditating or working on whatever you're having to do for tomorrow um, instead of going out and affecting not only the brain chemistry that you have, but your speed and agility in order to perform to the best of your capability for the next day. Um, and I think a lot of people fail to realize that I'm not much of a party goer. Of course, I do like to occasionally go out and socialize. Um, but I think socialization and taking it a little bit too far is different, different things. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think it's good for you. It's healthy for a girl to go out and like go to the cafe, have dinner, you know, uh, maybe hang out for a short while with some friends. Um, but the end of day, like you said, like you need to prepare for your work for tomorrow, just like any yeah. other job. You're still there to do a job. Yep. Um, Singapore has a lot of rules. <laughs> oh, yes. A lot of oh. laws. Um, do you want to talk about some of the ones that you were like, oh, my gosh, when you got there? <laughs> So when I first arrived, um, I thought it was just kind of something that was over-exaggerated um, because I'm like, no, it can't be that strict there. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was mistaken. Definitely mistaken. <laughs> in my opinion, Singapore is kind of like living in a, a Sims video game. If you know what I mean by that, uh, I guess to elaborate on that, it's everything is very robotical and very mechanical. The people of the country don't question the rules that are implemented, but someone such as myself, who is like, wait, I can't chew gum? What do you mean? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Mint? Come on. <laughs> uh yeah, that's, that's just their normal. They've never questioned it. They're not really like, oh, it's, it's bizarre that we can't chew gum. Um, or even something like smoking. You have these little kind of rectangular style boxes um, on the corner or middle of some streets, um, and you would be required to stand in this, in this little box uh, to smoke if you wanted to smoke. Otherwise, you would get a ticket. So there's a lot of rules, even the subway, you can't drink, you can't eat. Um, don't even think about sipping that water. <laughs> yep. No spitting on the sidewalk. No. They have, I mean, there's just so many little things and uh, it's not just a ticket at times. I mean, they'll also mm -hmm. just arrest you. Um, Correct. But in all, it's probably like one of the safest countries for modeling. It is. Don't think twice about anything um, because, like I said, it really is a Sims video game. People very, they're operated in themselves. They're not focused on others. They just do their routine. They go about their day. Um, they don't question the laws. They don't question why things are implemented. They just do as they please. And so you can walk around freely anywhere because you kind of follow that same essence about yourself and just, you just go for it. Yeah. Um, well, now you're in L.A. and yeah. um, uh, we have not ever had um, any, uh, someone else coming into the podcast 
but we're going to do it today because I think this is a very big subject. Um, Sloan's boyfriend, Oliver Scott, is here with us today. And um, Oliver also works in production in Hollywood. Um, And he's been uh, raised in a Hollywood family. So we're going to kind of talk about relationships um, in the industry a little bit with you both. Hi, Oliver. Uh, Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Amazing. Um, Thank you so much for joining Sloan and I today. Oh, please. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. Yeah, he's been obsessed with the concept of this ever since you emailed it to me. (laughs) Obsession is good. Obsession is good. Um, Oliver, um, let's talk a little bit about you first, like, uh, you being raised, obviously, um, as a child in Los Angeles, and the mind frame of someone being raised in LA in the first place is way different than the people that transplant back in. Um, so, do you want to talk about how, like, in your eyes, how you've seen, um, just LA as it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was raised, so I, my family's been in California for three generations now. And so from between San Francisco and LA, it's been a, a lot of family history here in California. And I, I oddly, when I was 12, we moved out of LA and went to Idaho to live in a ski resort. It's called Sun Valley. And Sun Valley's a strange place because it's a lot of LA transplanted within Sun Valley. It's a very, very tight-knit and very Hollywood community up there. Clint Eastwood, uh, I mean, everybody has property up there, Schwarzenegger. I mean, it's a big Hollywood community. And they, uh, so I really got the best of both worlds. So I went from my, you know, my L.A. movie hub to a smaller movie hub that has a lot of conservatism and a lot of athletics and a lot of... uh, extreme wealth and so it 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 was it was similar to living in LA but I got a lot of best I I got a lot of the both worlds living in a in a community that prides itself on its on its athleticism and its outdoor community and so living in LA though is a strange it's a strange world to grow up in because you're living in an area that has got so much history with physic with with being physical and with being in the Hollywood community here is so ingrained in everybody, you know, and it, and it's such a, it's a community built on, on looks. Everyone's beautiful in California, as everyone knows. I mean, everyone in LA is attractive. It's, it's difficult to find unattractive people in LA (laughs) and you have to kind of search, search it out. And so it's, it's, it's strange growing up in a community that really focuses heavily on looks and it is focused and ingrained in an industry that is heavily based on looks. But it's, I look at it from an entertainment perspective. It's really entertaining to look at people here. It's fun and it's not bad. You know, I'm not, it's definitely, it's hard to complain about it. I think a lot of people will be like, oh, it's, it's a community built on fake people. And it's, it's, I think it's fun. Yeah. I, I grew up in LA. So Mm -hmm. for me, uh, I would always go to the inner part of LA and people watch because I was always amazed by things that I would see. But I would I do that say, time. <laughs> yes, uh, I would say also though people who grew up 
in Los Angeles or grow or grow up in a family in the industry, um, looks are not our first thing. I mean, we, I mean, yeah, you do whatever you do gussy up and everything and that's fine. But, uh, I think it's a transplants who are like, Oh, it's all about our look. It's all about our look. And then we're like the normal looking people. <laughs> and oh, actually only the people that are in front of the camera that are great. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. And then, um, and then, but I found like a really big underlining rule in LA um, growing up, which was respect your elders. Um, because the next, the higher ups, um, the ones that were in charge were the ones that were going to start making decisions for your career. Absolutely. You, so you, you, you have so much to learn from them, but it's also, it's it, especially in the olden days, it's a, a lot of the older generations that still operate out in Hollywood are very, it's like a mafia you kiss that ring, you know, and it's that you really, you, you give them as much respect as possible and they respect you back. I mean, it's, 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 it is like a Sopranos episode. <laughs> it's a lot of kissing the ring and, I, and you grow up not minding it particularly, you know, and I know a lot of people that come out back to California or back to LA and move out here permanently. And they're, they're it's a little confusing and it's, it's the industry is all, I mean, mostly run by the older adults that have made their bones in this business and deserve the respect that they do. And it's, it's a lot of kissing the ring, honestly. Yeah. And I think it's also a lot of loyalty to yeah. who takes you in under their their wing. Um, I know I had that with all of my respectful elders, you know, that I worked with um, in the industry too. So um, I, from that, what do you see now with like the younger generation coming in? Because I don't feel like loyalty is there. It's a, it's not, it's not a, a respect and loyalty kind of focus to be able to learn everything from someone. It's more about like, uh, it's going to be about me and myself and I, and I'm going to get what I want, but not be loyal or respectful to the fullest extent that I should be. Yeah. And a lot of, I think that's the, the plight of the millennial generation in a lot of respects is that it's the immediacy that we've grown up having where everything is instantaneous on our phones and we can have the wealth of the entire world immediately accessible on our phones. But the Hollywood industry itself, unless even from a talent perspective, you have to, you really have to make your bones in this business and you have to respect the people that have, and it's a long career path. It's not something that you can luck into as easily as people think you can, you know, and, it, and it's it, the problem I think stems a lot from the fact that it's people see other people getting famous and rich off of their 10 seconds of fame, but you should never strive for the 10 seconds of fame that you might get from becoming an internet celebrity. You know, it's, you have to earn the respect of the people that are going to be able to launch a career that's going to span your entire life. And that's the most difficult part of this business is that is developing a career that is long lasting and enjoying me. it as well. And enjoy, yeah. And enjoying that process so much and finding the, the love that you can, that you have for taking your sweet time with it, you know, and it's it, it, the respect that people will give you having gone through the ranks and trying your absolute hardest and being really positive and, and, working really, really hard is difficult for people to understand. 
Yeah, and I think it's so important. Um, and obviously you work in TV film and it's still very similar to modeling, but like when you first met Sloan, um, in what was your thoughts of like the modeling world? It's, it's a, there's, there's, I'd say there's about three sides to that aisle. There are the people that will look at it from the point of view, the very male point of view, the very misogynistic point of view. It's like, oh, you're dating a model? <laughs> like, wow, like good for you. You're living the guy's dream, right? And then there's another side where there's kind of the more intellectual people that I know that are like, really? That's who you chose? You know what I mean? And it's not so much like a... It, it, it's there, there's so much baggage with the modeling industry I felt and it's been with great respect to Sloan it's been really fun to break away all that baggage and find out what it's really like you know and the, the perspective that she takes on it and the perspective of other models that she's introduced me to and it's not you know it's so much more than a pretty face I mean I, I mean infinitely more than a pretty face and it's it's been really exciting to see the baggage being broken down as to what it actually is so what, uh, give me some positives that you've seen in the modeling world. Well, actually, Oliver is one of the first people that I met in the beginning of my modeling venture. Yeah, one of the most fun things I've been able to see and one of the most brilliant things I've been able to see is that a lot of models will take it from the perspective of advertising, which I think is really smart is that they're they're looking at it as uh, of the point of view of like what would be a fantastic ad how can i contribute to that with the modeling skills that i've developed and make a fantastic advertisement and i'm a big uh, i love great advertising i think it's really really fun and i i really respect that industry and it's been it's been really interesting to see how models will catapult themselves into what will be the perfect ad what can i contribute to that and it's also what the positive, another positive is that it's the amount of hard work that they do to maintain their bodies that I think is really amazing that I could never do. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's really difficult to maintain a model figure. And uh, it's been fantastic gaining the knowledge of food and nutrition and exercise and everything from that that I think a lot of people could really benefit from uh, because it's, it, it, they live a very healthy life if they do it properly, you know, and it's not, it's not, a lot of people assume it's just starvation. It's a hundred percent not starvation. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fantastic nutritional, um, expertise and a lot of fantastic nutritional support and, uh, fantastic exercise. I mean, Sloan got me into hot yoga and <laughs> that was something I probably never, ever thought I was ever going to get into, but it's fantastic, you know, and it's, 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 I think that's a fantastic positive. Changing the boyfriend, changing the boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so it's not just all like cupcakes and rainbows, obviously. Uh, what do you see as things that need to be worked on in the industry? I don't want to say negative because I, it could be, yeah, yeah workable. I, I work in an industry that's built up on unions. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of unions in my business. And I was sort of surprised when, when they had told me originally, like, oh, there's no union at all. And I was, I was like, really? I was very, so there's such a, the, I mean, SAG after the actors union is a major power powerhouse in this business. And they hold a lot of power within this business and the protection that comes with it, the protection of, of payments and the protection of, of healthcare and, 
I'm a big supporter of unions because I work in that business, I, the, although I'm not a union. But it's it's I, I for me, I would within my generation, I know that people have been working on it and I don't know all the pros and cons to what having a union in this in modeling industry would be as far as it would it be negative? Would it be uh would it be a really powerful tool for models or how would it work with the agencies themselves? But I, I was very surprised to hear that there was no union protection, though I know that a lot of modeling agencies will act as the protection that a union would service. I was just, I was surprised to hear that there was no, there was no form of unionization. Yeah. And I, a lot of girls have brought that up and it's something that I think in the foreseeable future that we'll have, um, or something around that. Um, there is, there are organizations that kind of help models at this point now, but um, that are nonprofit, but nothing mm -hmm. where you're actually paying in for that extra protection. Um, the models are kind of really on their own unless they have an agent and then the agency should uh, protect the model. <laughs> and I say that only because there's some agencies that, you know, like they just don't care. And I hate to say it. I'm, I'm an agent, so I get it. Like I, you know, um, but, um, I also understand that that's part of my job. So. Yeah. And, and I know Sloan has absolutely mentioned how much you're a fighter for the model's rights, uh, on your end. And I think that's absolutely fantastic yeah i think it's yeah. absolutely fantastic and it's and it's shocking to hear other models that sloan know that talk about their agencies with such contempt you know and it's like it's I, it shouldn't be that way you know it should be a collaborative effort of people of an, a model and an agent working together to earn money for the both of them instead of a model basic uh, instead of a model working for an agency where the agency has complete control and has uh, the final say of everything and, and, and to me it's like wow it just shouldn't be like that you know and, and I love hearing agencies like you that and there are definitely they're definitely out there uh, that work with the models for their rights and to work with them in a collaborative effort instead of you know hey you work for me now you get to do what I say <laughs> well and I think you know like you said a longevity in the career um, that's the only way that you can do it with the models because they will burn out so quick and then they just leave the industry. But if you're yeah. training them to have a career of it, it lengthens out so much more and you have, you have to figure out all those paths and avenues for them to conquer. So. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a, 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 comparatively to the film industry, there's no correct path to go through. No one knows the right if you follow this move, every move that I tell you to make, you'll make it. You know what I mean? It just it doesn't operate like that. And so I, I think that modeling and acting both work similarly, similarly, where it's you you have to find the path that works for you best and where the career is taking you and who you need to know and everything like that. And it's just it's become it just becomes with the help of social media, I feel it, it's become so cookie cutter. You know, it's a, if you post these type of pictures, you'll be picked up by a modeling agency. And I hate to see the disappointment on other girls' faces when they don't get picked up on the modeling agency that they want because they're they're posting pictures of their butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it could be their only good side. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think also 
the biggest part, and this is like one of the big reasons why I got into the industry, is nobody is honest. Well, I would say nobody. A lot of people are not honest with a lot of aspiring models on um, what type of model they would be. Just because you are, you know, you're you have the face of a fashion model you but you're five three you may not be able to walk the runway okay well just let's face that deal but then um there are beautiful people um who look like fashion models that are five three and they're in your side of the industry um doing tv and film um and then from that they're doing the magazine covers the um, mm-hmm. the ads and all of that. Does that make sense? They're doing more of like the commercials. So unless somebody's like really helping the, the girl or the guy out and saying like, let me help you. Let me sh- at least put you on the right path and tell you what type of model you are first and foremost, and then start following the path for that type of model. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Also, um, no one should be turned away from not fitting the mold of being a runway model or doing e-com or anything like that because at the end of the day it still is a job and it's an enjoyable experience and the people that you get to meet from it is for myself personally makes everything worth it because i love just learning um about different cultures and different individuals um but everyone has their own path there's nothing wrong with if you're boxed into being a runway model, there's nothing wrong with being an e-com model. You're still a model. <laughs> yep. Now, Oliver, how long have you been with Sloan? Oh, I think it's coming up on nine months. I think if we, if it's difficult to put a date on it, but it's been around nine months. I mean, she's been living with me before we were dating. She was a very close friend and she, we were friends for many years. Yeah. We were friends for three years before we started dating and we, she needed a place to live. And I told her to just, you know, drop it and come live with me and, uh, make it easy on yourself. And I'm an easy person to go along with, I think. And so (laughs) that's how you got her. (laughs) (laughs) Just come on over. It's fine. Oh, yeah, I knew it was a ploy. Cruel <laughs> <laughs> ploy, but um, you know, it, it not about nine months. Okay, and um, how do you handle her going out um and shooting like her sexy swimwear and lingerie stuff and being on set for the day with male photographers and? Well, it, she's so beautiful that it's hard for me to complain. You know, it's it, there's it, there's not very much complaining. I love seeing the images. You know what I mean? It, it, and she's such a she's a fantastic model, and she's so beautiful. And it's 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 fun to see what every shoot's different. You know, and it's it, the jealousy aspect doesn't come up at all because uh, we we talk about everything beforehand, and we make sure that we're both on the same page, and that there's no secrets, and there's no dodging around, and she's we're, we've become very comfortable with communication and it's it's i'm thrilled every shoot she gets because i think it's just you know it's a it, it's another it's diving further into a career you know and it's hard for me to it, it would be impossible for me to complain about it just because it that that's her job you know and it's i would expect it and obviously i know what the modeling industry does and what kind of shoots they have and it's it would be difficult for me to complain about it just because uh, that's her gig, you know, and every shoot's another gig. And uh, of course I'm thrilled for her every single time and working with a lot of male, there's a lot of male photographers in the modeling industry. And, you know, all I can hope is that they're 
they're being professional and I know Sloan's always being professional and uh, you know, I, I'm confident that she can take care of what she needs to take care of, or if she's feeling uncomfortable, she can take care of it, you know? And uh, thankfully we haven't had any issues with that so far at all. And it's been fantastic to, to see. And Sloan, how about for you? Because he also works on sets for film and yeah. TV. Um, I mean, communication and education are key. So, um, usually before we proceed with something, we just discuss it. Um, we're mature about it. We don't jump to irrational conclusions um, and then educate each other on maybe a question or concern that we are not educated ourselves on um, and just inquiring about it. Yeah, and again, like if I ever have any questions about what the shoot entails or I'll, like I always ask and she'll always give me a straight answer you know yeah. what I mean it's never there's never like oh I don't really know you know the director doesn't really know either so we're just going to play it out you know there's always Sloan's fantastic at always asking the questions ahead of time too with the with the photographers and the directors and just being like you know what what do I need to expect and if they don't provide any information that's generally a red flag you know and so it, it, it's 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 always about learning too. I mean, if she ever has questions about what we're shooting or what's going on in our set and what it's like to be in the position of an actor on our set, like she always asks and I always give her a straight answer, you know? And same with traveling because both of us do require travel for our jobs. And it's just the understanding that because this is what we do, it is a part of our jobs. And at one point or another, um, I may be in Mexico while he is in Atlanta. And it's just kind of the understanding that it's our passion, it's our love, it's our job. And yeah, it goes with the territory. Yeah. I mean, it's, re it's really, you have to un fundamentally understand, like, yes, there will be travel involved. And sometimes you'll be able to go with them and enjoy that experience with them. And other times you'll have to be working from home or you have to be working remotely from a different, completely different location halfway around the world. Yeah. And it's... It, it, there's so many tools to utilize now to be able to get face-to-face -face conversation with each other too. You know, like FaceTime and Skype and Zoom is like, it's, it's it, they make it difficult to, the long distance relationship becomes more and more difficult uh, to dislike because you have so many opportunities to actually call and FaceTime and get face-to-face -face conversation now, which I think is what a lot of people miss, but it's, you know, we, we have great communication, so it really helps. Do you have any um, cute, like, rituals that you do when you do do long distance? I mean, the last time we did long distance was when I was in Atlanta working all last yeah. year, and it was it was just consistent calling. You know, we I would have I didn't communicate with a lot of people while while I wasn't working in Atlanta, and because it, the work was just so intense that I couldn't I didn't have any time, but I made time for Sloan to make sure because she grounded me so well, and it was. It was a lot of just, you know, a few times a week, just make a, a couple hour long conversation over the phone if, or FaceTime or whatever and just communicate about what's been going on and what happened with our day. And we're, we're, we're such conversationalists that it's, it was difficult for us not to have conversation with each other. But it wasn't, I don't think there was more of a routine. It was more of a just like a, let's just make sure we keep in touch very regularly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, that, and we really did talk, I mean, very consistently every 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 day almost when I was there. Yeah, I mean, and both of us know each other's families well, which is definitely a perk um, because we can better understand the backstory um, of each other. And, you know, he definitely had a culture shock coming to Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I can't. yeah, exactly. <laughs> LA boy in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's like, there's like no society around you. 
Oh, there's like two streets in my town that are like major streets, right? So no society uh, around you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. So there's, you know, Johnson Street and then Scott Street is another big street there and as well as Main Street. And so it's pretty easy to navigate. Like you just follow the main streets and you can kind of get wherever you need to get. Um, and trust me, he was turned around backwards because this town was not on a grid system like a yeah, big city. I, like I, have a, I, have a, I have a weird photographic memory with navigation like that, and I could not, I just could not understand the street layout whatsoever. I, I did not understand it. I couldn't get it, and it was very confusing. I know when I moved out of L.A. into the Midwest for a while, I... I would freak out if I left the inner city part because I didn't have buildings as like markers for me oh, to yeah, know yeah. where I was because everything was basically green, you know, and blue, like the sky, the fields. And I would start crying. I would start panicking. Um, so I like would never leave my little circle um, that I was, yeah, because it was, and even then it was like still too small for me. Like I was still panicking, but um I think that's an L.A. thing. I think it's an L.A. Yeah. Well, LA, LA, people in a funny quirk of L.A. is that everybody here talks about their route. It's always a, every dinner okay. party you go to, every meal you sit down with, you talk about it's almost the first thing you talk about. Like, how'd you get here? Like, what I was the route? X, Y, Z. It took me about 20 five minutes what what do you mean i i took i took this road and yeah it's like a shortcut it's like people love talking about the route that they took to get here and it's it if you find a real you tell all your friends because they're like oh you digital pet from sunset to fountain to santa monica boulevard is fantastic when it's rush hour and it's it it's a very strange sport people in la love to follow (laughs) i never give away my routes because i don't want everybody else to know about them Oh well, that was the that was the the upsetting thing about when uh, uh, Waze became a thing here yeah. in LA. It was that it was it ruined everyone's shortcut. It really did, and people were pissed when suddenly <laughs> their shortcut was just as bad as the as the surface streets. And it was like, oh, my my little dart my little dart up to uh, uh, Mulholland Drive is now uh, just jam packed with traffic every morning. And but yeah, I mean, I I don't use any navigation. I don't use any navigation tools backwards and forwards. I, when I first moved back out here from Idaho, I'd spent a few weeks just driving when I didn't have anything to do. I would just drive around the city and get lost and see how well I can find my way back. And I found that you memorize streets really, really. And I recommended that to people when they were living in Paris or when they were living in London, too. It's like just get out and walk around and get, off, get on a bike or something and just try to memorize the streets as best you can. Get lost and then try to find your way back. And it really helps. Also, with that being said, um, as for modeling, just show up early. Traffic is so unpredictable here that like it's something that you have to plan that you're gonna be caught in traffic. Yeah, absolutely. Give yourself an hour and a half to yeah. get anywhere. Even if you're half, 45 minutes early, I mean, it really helps to like, you can walk down the street and get a cup of coffee and wait. Yeah. Parking too is a nightmare. Yeah. And I would say for all models, you better read those damn signs on the street because it may say that you can park there it says not today or there's like a bazillion other rules that go with it. You have to read all the signs. Yeah. And it becomes very confusing when you have five different parking signs stacked on top of each other (laughs) and you have to read every single one. And it's very difficult to understand sometimes, but it's, it show up early so you can read the signs because you will get towed (laughs) or get a ticket. 
very so, quickly. <laughs> yeah, and the tickets are not cheap in Los Angeles either. Um, no. Going back to your relationship, there's a lot of girls that they have to have a boyfriend or they want a boyfriend uh, or they're Twitter pating about a boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's um, it, it's a thing. And um, there's this underlining, I don't want to say it's a rule. It's just like a, a thing. Uh, agencies are like no boyfriends. Um, Sloan, do you want to explain kind of like the mentality of like why agencies like are scared for girls to have boyfriends? Yeah, I think that oftentimes they can be a, a distraction. Um, so it is really something that, you know, your social media is your portfolio. Clients do look at Instagram, you know, agencies look at Instagram um, and they want to see your portfolio. It's a digital portfolio. We keep our relationship um, very private from social media because the relationship that we have is between the two of us and it's not with clients. It's not with your agency. Um, but of course, having that open communication with your agency is great so that they know that people like you know that I'm dating Oliver. Um, but it's something that uh, at the end of the day, I have my work. I still have to fulfill my work. I still have to do my travel. Um, and having that communication with him and making sure that he's aware and understands and is okay with the requirements of my job is really the root of it. I think I answered your question. Did I? Yeah, did I not? yeah, you did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and I was just, I'm just thinking, you know, it's 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 the commitment to your career, just like any other career. Right. And um, sometimes girls will get into relationships or situations um, that aren't healthy. Um, and and it's seeing those red flags. Yeah, and mm -hmm. us girls can tell other girls that all the time but Oliver having a man say like what's unhealthy in this industry um towards your spouse and how would how should like if it was Slo Sloan in this position how w should she handle um getting out of that relationship it's I mean if from my perspective Hollywood has had a very long a very long career in arranging marriages, arranging relationships, and they almost, they pursue it because it's better for their career when actors are mar married to or dating other actors. It just makes sense. You know, it's a, it's, it furthers their career. It makes them more in the public eye, et cetera. But for, for me, it, giving girls the red flags that I notice just from an outsider's point of view is like, you know, this is a very wealthy guy that you don't know who you met at a club who might want to very seriously take advantage of the fact that you're a model to brag to his friends or to take advantage of how beautiful you are and to take a very keen eye as to what what are his actual intentions with you you know and there's a lot of red flags you can pick up and it's it, it can be as easy as just making it up that like oh like I'm about to watch a movie with my boyfriend and seeing how they respond to that you know what I mean and seeing how they if they get pissed at you then you know that it's not professional you know, and noticing the red flags is very simple, and it, it, but it can be very challenging too. And it's, 
it's something that I mean we've definitely worked on a lot and we mm-hmm. worked on with other girls too because Sloan uh, having now been in a relationship that she's comfortable in oh, I'm such a mom too yeah and it, <laughs> and it just it takes somebody to be like completely honest with with you and just say like you know you should look further into this guy. Like, I don't think this is safe. Like, he's you met him two days ago, and he's inviting you to go on his yacht all the way to Europe. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it just, it's, I would never personally, if I had just met a girl, I would never be like, hey, do you want to, like, travel with me tomorrow? <laughs> you know what I mean? Safety. Like, it's it a really safety is. thing, you know? Like, I would never do that. I would want to really get to know, getting, getting to know somebody before I ask them to, like, travel with me. Because what if I just, don't like them whatsoever relationships are work yes they are and I actually have a really good question so (laughs) oh boy this this is a good one uh to me it's good because I've dealt with Hollywood celebrities who want to date models um Mm. or just hang out with the models quote unquote um how is that girl viewed by all of you other men in the industry that's a good question well, again, there's two sides to that aisle. I mean, it's 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 the male point of view typically is like, that's fantastic. You're dating a model. That's what everyone wants. You know what I mean? And it's it can be something as as old school and simple as that, or it can be something like, well, like, is she trying to take advantage of you? You know what I mean? And it's they want you to, of course, like everyone wants to date a model, but it's also like they they love the idea of dating a model. They really enjoy the idea of dating a model because obviously they're angelic and beautiful and perfect looking and everything else. But it doesn't they don't really care about what's inside of them, you know, like what's in their soul and what's in their heart. And I think that from the Hollywood point of view, it's like obviously for a producer to be dating a model is. Looks great on the producer. (laughs) It's like having having a great suit on, you know what I mean? But that becomes but people notice that really quickly, <laughs> you know, the 75 year old producers dating a 25 year old model. It doesn't look good. You know what I mean? But like to him, I'm sure it looks great, but it's it, it, a lot of the times it's just, yeah, it doesn't look great for her either, but like for in, in their own little world and to some people, I'm sure it does look great. But I think that, for, you know, it, I've only had nothing but support dating Sloan in the industry that I work in and the people that I've introduced her to in this business and my bosses and the producers I work with and the um, uh, the celebrities that we both have introduced to each other, they all respect it because once they realize who we are as human beings and that, you know, we, we really respect each other in both of our industries and it's nothing, it, there's no bragging rights on either side of us, you know what I mean? It's nothing like that and it's all, we're, we're it's about companionship and about boosting each other's careers and making sure that we we keep on a driven path and make sure that we're being sustainable and being appropriate and kind to each other. And but I think that all goes out the window very quickly once people actually meet them. You know what I mean? Because, of course, you're going to get a little bit of baggage when you say, as I have before, it's like, yeah, I'm dating a model. And they go, huh, OK, I did not expect that. You know what Without I mean? Without meeting her. Without meeting her. And then once they do meet her, they're like, oh, she's fantastic, obviously. <laughs> you know? And so it's, it's, it, 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 there's so much stigma, but it gets broken away very quickly, you know? And it, I think that if you just, once you get to know them and you meet them and you look past, like, yes, she is a model, but she's 10 times more than that, it becomes, you know, they all, they're very, everyone's very supportive. And models really support other models, um, which is, much different than a lot of other jobs and a lot of other industries. Um, 
because everyone has kind of been through a lot of the similar situations um, that have occurred with modeling, with um, dating and wanting and desiring someone, um, because sometimes you can feel lonely when you're traveling and that want and need to be fulfilled um, is something that, you know, most people want, but it's finding the right person and knowing that it does take a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. Um, and you still have your job <laughs> and finding the I think it's important to know for models too that you know like more than just a pretty face yeah and then like show business is that you don't have to be dating an actor doesn't have to be dating an actor and a model doesn't have to be dating a male model <laughs> you know what I mean like and you don't have to be posting about it on Instagram constantly and it's it, you can separate those two careers and you can find love in two totally different industries or similar industries or whatever but it's you don't have to be dating somebody that like you know uh, Obviously, I'm no male model, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it doesn't particularly matter, you know, and it doesn't matter to Sloan, which is fantastic. And I think that a lot of models come with the stigma that, like, you know, I have to date someone as equally beautiful as I am to be happy. And I, I just don't think that's true. Not true at all. <laughs> I mean, you have to date someone that's your best friend. And that was the biggest um, lesson that my mom embarked on me because she had um, many relationships prior to marrying my father, um, none of which were fruitful for her. Um, and she always said to me, like, date your best friend. Why? Because they know you better than anyone else. There's no embarrassment between stories or trying to conversate, like, topics that may make you feel uncomfortable. Um, and best friends aren't afraid to tell you what you need to hear. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what they're not afraid to be blunt and honest and tell you exactly what they think you should do or what you should what you're doing wrong which I think is really powerful you know yeah yeah I think that's actually key in a relationship because you have to be like you said very transparent very communicative to each other um in the relationship and if and if you don't have a spouse that's like that then you just need to like break ties and like go on and find yourself correct because I view it um as a would you lie to your mother agency about the topic that you're lying to your spouse about? You say, well, no, I would tell her truthfully. Then why, why would you have an issue telling your spouse about that? Unless there's an underlying issue that maybe you don't want to outwardly admit at that point, which is okay. Take your time, learn, grow. Um, what I used to do is if something was upsetting me, I would write it down. Um, so that I can go back and reflect upon it, um, and see, is this something that I could fix myself? Um, was it something that I was doing wrong? Was it something I was not doing wrong? Um, and it, it helped me. I've never had an issue with Oliver because he is my best friend. Um, but I'm speaking from past relationships, um, that I have gotten into that, um, friends have helped me realize we're not very great for myself. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And to have that friend support too, I think is also very important as well. Um, I wanted to thank you, Oliver, for being a part of the podcast and so much appreciated. I think that it's so helpful and there's like so many aspiring models 
like who need to hear all of your advice and um, kind of just like what you have like seen around you and what you know growing up um, in that industry. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I, again, thank you so much for having me on. This is so much fun for me. And it's, again, you can learn so much from the modeling industry and what it really entails. And I think just keep your ears open and uh, listen well and, uh, you know, heed what they have to say. And it's it's fascinating. And I've really enjoyed, you know, hearing about it from Sloan's perspective and from your perspective. And uh, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. I have a couple more quick questions for Sloan so we can wrap it up. Ask um, Gloria. Uh, are there any top like beauty products that you like to use? Because you have like the beauty face that is like flawless all the time. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, there's a couple products that I use quite frequently. Um, my night routine is usually, and I cannot fall asleep now without washing my face. Please, please wash your face before bed, you guys. <laughs> take your makeup off um, and find the balance that works for you. So for me, um, I found that the Neutrogena bar soap, the acne one is my absolute go-to and it costs about 350. It's nothing extravagant. It's nothing that's going to break the bank. Um, and I've tried so many different products and nothing would help my skin. Um, but lo and behold, Neutrogena out of all products, um, I also love Kosa's makeup. It's all natural. Uh, it doesn't irritate my skin. I have very sensitive skin, so I tend to use products like Dr. Jart um, that is formulated for sensitive skin. Uh, but it has been something that has taken me years to kind of figure out what has worked and what hasn't worked because just because something works for one girl doesn't mean it's going to work for the other girl. Uh, everyone has different skin types. Um, I tend to run in the combination skin type. So I have found that putting moisturizer on as soon as I get out of the shower and I dry my face off has really helped level out, um, the dryness as well as, um, oiliness of my skin. Is there a particular moisturizer that you like? Uh, there's a couple that I tend to use. Uh, my favorite currently is probably um, Peter Thomas Roth, and they have this just water cloud, and it isn't too heavy on my skin, uh, and it feels really nice. <laughs> it's like a little silk pillow. I, I love his, his whole line. All of his mm -hmm. products are amazing, I think, at least. Their face masks are really good. I keep them in the fridge especially their rose one, the jelly. Yeah, I haven't tried any of those yet. Oh, you should go to, um, on Sephora, they usually have their mask combinations. So you can get like little containers of all of their, their samples and then figure out which one works best for your skin. But I like keeping the cucumber and the rose one in the fridge. Um, and then I usually apply it with, uh, like a cleaned makeup brush. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, one of those too. You just get like a regular little makeup brush and then you wash it after every time you do a mask. Correct. Yep. And then yeah. just let it dry. Yes. Yeah. Smarty smart. I like it. I like it. I also this, but I don't know how to pronounce it. So, uh, can you spell it? Oh, Laneige. 
Yeah. Her sleep mask is amazing. Oh, yeah. I love Laneige. They're a really great one, too. Um, and you just put that on, like, before bed, like, once a week, twice a week? I do it pretty much every night um, because I, I wake up with pretty dry lips. Um, so it just helps prevent the cracking for myself uh, because there's nothing worse than having to, like, go in and scrub your lips. <laughs> Oh, so it's for uh, your lips. I thought it was a mask. It's it's a. Uh... Oh, this is a le uh, um, a lip sleeping mask. It's vanilla, but they also have uh, some. I have the oh. pink one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what whatever flavor that is, but that's the one I have. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what that one is. Is it? I think it's berry. I have no idea. All I know is it's pink and I, I do, I actually put it on every morning and every night. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's again, it's just finding the balance between like what works for your skin and what doesn't. Um, I typically do a lot of research on the ingredients of a product before I buy it. Um, just because I do have pretty sensitive skin. Um, to be using products on a daily basis. Usually my skin isn't super irritated when I'm going to set um, and getting my makeup done because I usually take it off when I get home, do my skincare routine, and I have no issues with it. Besides Bobbi Brown's under eye concealer, for some reason in particular, I'm allergic to that. <laughs> Makes me ball my eyes out, so I guess if I ever need to cry on set. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so that'd be a no. Don't do that, please. <laughs> <laughs> um... If you could uh, do your own ad campaign, what would your message say? Uh, this is something that I've thought about quite a bit. Um, for myself personally, I would want it to be a collection of videos. So something along the lines of like more than just a pretty face, showing that models can do other things besides just the stereotypical image that most people um automatically think of when they hear a oh, model um so it could be something where you walk into a scene and there's a model who is a nurse and she's working on drawing blood or i mean some people get squeamish with that kind of stuff i'm not but a nurse doing her duties running her her thing and then walking into another section of a set where a model's painting, maybe that's her passion. Everyone has passions and being able to showcase what your passion is, is truly remarkable. Um, I think that mine would be rather boring because it would probably be me sitting on a, a stack of books um, and probably some homework that I'm working on um, because I'm always studying something. But I think that's good though, in a way, because you're you're doing something besides modeling. Like you're not just throwing all yes. your eggs in one basket, and yes. so you're keeping busy. Whether it's like with your hands or with your mind or your body, like you're doing something that yeah. fuels you as a person. Finding something that you truly enjoy and you love, and don't mind what other people think about it. If you love reading, read, enjoy yourself. If you love painting, create the paintings that you want to create. Uh, it's just finding the little bits of life that bring the most joy yeah. to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sad to say that this is my last question because I've enjoyed yeah. spending so much time with you. 
But um, this is a question that I feel is really important for all of the models to answer um, mm -hmm. and be able to come up with a solution for our future uh, aspiring models um, yes. so that we can make our industry a little bit better. Wouldn't it be great if... If... Um... If we had honest communication with our bookers, um, yeah, that's that's the biggest importance for me because I don't think that I would be at the point that I am today, mentally, physically, um, emotionally, if I didn't have you in my life in this industry to help me navigate um, to the point that I am. And I count my blessings daily for it because it is something that most girls don't have. And if we can unite together and be able to form an alliance of communication and understanding and just speaking about what's going on, whether it's embarrassing, whether it is something that you're having a difficult time talking about or you're not sure what to do in a given situation to just be able to have your booker who you can speak to freely and openly. And I've done this more, more times than I can count where I've just had a situation that I don't know where, what to do. And I've come to you about it because I, I think you also have done it with your other bookers too, like the ones in Germany. Yes. Yeah. And I think, um, for, so yeah, for a lot of, uh, girls and guys that are starting out in this industry, when you walk into an agency, it's really busy. And your booker's job is to sell, 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 sell. Um, and so they are buried under so much pressure to sell um, up to a certain amount of money, usually. Um, or they lose their job. That's kind of how it works. Um, <laughs> and so... Um, but at the end of the day, we're I all think, a team. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure for the bookers mm -hmm. and they're so overwhelmed where um, it would be great for them to be able to like take that breath in and go, oh my gosh, this girl's new, this guy's new. I have never thoroughly explained what this means or the situation that she's going to walk into, what to yeah. expect. Does that make sense? Or the expectations because same with time management and understanding that in a different culture for example germany um five minutes late is 30 minutes late five minutes early is 15 minutes late and it's just understanding and that just conversation and communication um and, and i'm not saying that all bookers are like that um oh, I, there oh. are like a lot of bookers that do get, you know, they'll step away from their computer, they'll come and sit down and they'll have a talk with you. Um, a lot of times you'll have to like schedule a time to talk with them so that they are prepared to step away from their computer too. Cause uh, clients just love to call and yell at you all day, but <laughs> Hey, you, <laughs> do you have this yet? Do you have this yet? Do you have this yet? And you're like, ah, um, but, uh, but it is, uh, something that I feel that does need to be worked on more so that the girls can have that feeling and confidence to be able to say, hey, you know what? 
I need help. I need you to answer this for me and just give it to me honestly um, so that I can handle my my career as a model. Yeah, I'm very fond on the no bullshit. Um, and for example, you and myself, we talk in a very transparent mannerism. If something's not working, we figure out a resolution and take the the steps to productively fix whatever the given problem could be. Whether it's an image in the portfolio, whether it's my hair, whether it's my measurements, um, but there's always a solution to, to a problem. But having that conversation and that communication is what I ideally would like to see in the future models um, and not be ashamed to have those conversations, not be, you know, shy about it. Ask questions, learn from the elders. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, I think that's a great place for us to finish off. I yeah. totally appreciate you spending the time with us and being able oh. to talk to everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Model Jeans podcast. Want to talk about this podcast? As always, we love to hear from you. Jump over to our social media platforms at Model Jeans Podcast. Then come on over to modelgenealogy.com to sign up to be the first to get exclusive updates on our VIP live interviews and all the updates you need to know. Be sure to take the test to see what type of model you are so you have a path to follow. Lastly, do you have a challenge for us to solve? Reach out to us at Model Genealogy. You may find our comeback sooner than you think on Topic Tuesday. Thanks so much for hanging out with me.